Welcome to the Unlocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of Bramble and Rex. Welcome to the 106th episode of Unblocking Crypto. It's just me today. Jason is not here. I talked to Jason quite a bit, and I probably should know where he is. I don't. I just know he's not here. It's kind of like when I talk to people and my wife asks how their family's doing and how their kids are, and I'm like, I have no idea. We didn't talk about it. We only talked for four hours on the golf course. So... I just know he's not here, and when Jason's not here, this is going to be a very Bitcoin-centric podcast. So the 106th episode of Unblocking Crypto, the first episode of Unblocking Bitcoin with Hal. So jumping right in, uh, I listen to a lot of Bitcoin-oriented content, and the term Apex Predator gets used a lot. Michael Saylor has, has used it quite a bit. And it's kind of caught on. <clears throat> and, and I've heard it and I'm like, yep, Apex Predator. It just eats up USD, your, the euro. It, it moves into different industries and, and captures things and doesn't lose. It's going to kind of eat up the monetary premiums on gold and, you know, real estate too, probably eventually. And... Now I'm kind of starting to realize it's it's also the apex predator in the digital assets realm. Like it's not just the best at being money, but it's starting to with between ordinals and inscriptions and everything else, all the NFT stuff that gets played with on smaller altcoins, Ethereum and Solana. If they get serious, they kind of move up into the Bitcoin blockchain. And so NFTs and everything else, you know, they kind of get they kind of get played with in a sandbox in the altcoins. And then when it's time to get real, if if it's going to be real, then they'll go onto the Bitcoin network. So you've got basically everything it touches, it wins. You know, it it, it sniffs out fraud like FTX and BlockFi and all of that, Voyager crashing and and burning and going into bankruptcy, coin didn't feel that. It just kept chewing, chewing through blocks. And then the bankruptcy and selling all the GBTC holdings to pay off the creditors in those, it just kind of ate that too and kept rolling. And so now that it's entered the the ETF realm and they've cut it loose, kind of out from the wild of of Bitcoin and crypto world, and they they introduced it into civilization. It's going to eat up the stock market and and start pulling monetary premium from there. How do I have confidence in this? Well, price is up, so everything's confident, right? Confidence is only increases when price goes up, and you know you feel like you're right about something, and you're just early, so you know you start to question yourself. And then you have weeks and months like this where the price goes up and everybody starts to have some belief in it. Wall Street adopts it. It feels like it's not going to go anywhere. The energy markets are seeing the benefits of Bitcoin mining and it just further locks things in. And then the ETFs launch. Lots of money starts coming in. GBTC sells off, but it pretty much doesn't 
have a negative impact on price. There's more inflows than outflows. You know, we're we're at one month since the launch of the ETFs. The Fidelity Bitcoin spot ETF is the number two start of any ETF in history, only getting beat by the BlackRock spot ETF as the number one ETF launch in history. So, you know, Apex Predator still making sense. The ETFs still aren't available to everybody, so it's not even, you know, prime time yet. It's still early. I mean, guys like me have just started allocating into the the ETFs. Buying shares of the ETFs isn't available everywhere. You, you know, you got to move some money around, get it into Schwab, get it into other accounts that allow you to buy it. So the last few days, the ETFs have netted over 10,000 Bitcoin in holdings. And so you're talking about 10,000 a day for a few trading days. You know, we're, we're kind of, we used to get excited when Michael Saylor would buy Bitcoin and, and announce it on Twitter. And now it's happening every day. And it's going to basically that's going to become old news before long. But the price will increase. This is where we're going to eventually see the scarcity come into play with Bitcoin. Up till now, you know, we talk about the 21 million Bitcoin limit. We talk about scarcity and, and limited supply. We talk about there's a million plus Bitcoin that are just dead and buried, that are lost and keys are lost and they're they're out of the, the liquid market. And we talk about people that are holding it long, long term. Those are out of the liquid market. You know, there's a million to two million available on exchanges. Well, if ETFs are buying them at 10,000 Bitcoin a day or anything close to that, you know, we're going to start to see exchanges start looking under the couch cushions to find extra Bitcoin to sell. And you're going to see price escalation go crazy because institutions aren't like individuals where they sit and wait. Like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's at, it's at 50,000. I'll buy when it's at 47.5. It hits 47.5. I'll wait till 45. It's not their money. They want to allocate 2% to Bitcoin. How do we do it? Okay, we're going to introduce it over two weeks. We're going to, you know, we're just going to set a set a buy at and and start allocating to the position. And so if the price runs, the price runs and they keep buying. And you're going to have some people selling for profit. It's just natural. But at some point, this thing's going to run. And the scarcity is going to become a real problem. And there's just not going to be many people selling. And when there's not a lot of people selling, the price jumps in that order book pretty quickly. And if you get big buys, I mean, if if the over-the-counter guys start to run out of holdings and they start going to markets, you know, they're going to clear out order books. So price could go pretty vertical. And... I feel like the ETFs that are buying now, these aren't people that are looking to trade. They're buying and holding. You know, I put retirement money into Bitcoin ETFs because it's just so easy to do now. I mean, that's 20 years of lockup. So, you know, you've got people that are that are in the same boat as me doing that. You've got an, the first ETF allocated a per, small percentage of its holdings to the spot Bitcoin ETF. So, you know, this is a real small ETF. It's, it, I can only remember its ticker symbol, but it's a couple percent of a small ETF, but 
that's how it starts, right? It starts with El Salvador. It starts with micro strategy. It starts with your your buddy that you went to college with, and next thing you know, three or four of your buddies have it, and then you're in it, and everybody else is starting to buy it, and then four years later, you're like, ah, ten percent seems like a small percentage of my net worth to be in Bitcoin, and that apex predator just kind of keeps on eating up your 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 assets. Same thing with the, with small countries, same things with small business, same things with large business. And now it's going to be the same things with ETFs. Bitcoin kind of motivates people differently. And if your back's against the wall and you're, you live in a country where the, the, your currency is deflating, you're more motivated to get into Bitcoin. If you live in a country with, on the dollar standard and things aren't so bad, you're not as motivated to get into Bitcoin. And so I think what they're going to see is some of these smaller guys have success, the smaller ETFs, the smaller countries. And nobody likes to see people behind them have more success than, than they do. And so it, it draws them in. What we've seen too, I, I listen to a lot of Bitcoin content. Like I mentioned, the Bitwise CEO was on the Wolf of Wolf of All Streets podcast and mentioned that the Fidelity has a Canadian fund that is kind of like a, a retirement target date fund. It's just an easy set and then forget it retirement type fund. And they recommend allocating to Bitcoin 1% being the most conservative allocation. And I think it goes to three and a half percent as you get more aggressive. So, you know, Fidelity's ahead of the curve, right? They're, they are the El Salvador and the Michael Saylor of investment houses. But just like with the ETFs, they're they're just they're just in the lead. They're not by themselves. They're it it will happen. So that's that's going to happen. He also mentioned the going back to the Ethereum that that's more than likely going to happen. I've heard that a lot. It's going to basically follow the same track as the as the Bitcoin ETF, and so the grayscale Ethereum fund is trading at a discount to NAV right now. So that'll probably close. And then in May, they'll probably approve the Ethereum ETF unless they come up with a way around it. So, you know, that, there's a little bit of non-Bitcoin talk for you that Ethereum's got, got upside. And, you know, I, the, I look at it like Ethereum has Solana to contend with. Bitcoin does not have Ethereum to contend with. And so, you know, the battle for, for the for the top non-Bitcoin cryptocurrency is, is kind of on. And, you know, we spoke about El Salvador. Things are working out great for El Salvador. Bailey just dominated an election. Crimes turned around. The remittance payments are coming in at lower cost. There are some small movements of, of companies like Strike to, to, to other countries, and El Salvador is going to be the recipient of some of that. And... So along the same lines, Thailand just came out and said that they're exempting Bitcoin and crypto transactions from the value-added tax so that they can encourage companies to come in, develop, and grow as a digital asset hub. And so, again, it's Thailand. You know, it's not China and it's not the United States, but it's Bitcoin. You think it moves fast, and then you just realize it's it just chews away, right? Bitcoin just doesn't stop. Move. It just continues to make blocks, lock in transactions, doesn't screw up. You don't have a CEO making decisions to change directions. 
And so, you know, apex predator just, it, it gets its teeth on one country. You know that there's more countries coming. It gets its teeth into one company. You know, there's more companies coming. And so, so that's kind of how I see that. This is like the first, the first time that we're going into a having. You know, I'm expecting price to escalate significantly. There's just so many tailwinds for Bitcoin between the having cycle, which, believe it or not, it, it until it doesn't happen, you should expect it to happen. They're gonna, you know, in April, the the daily Bitcoin mine goes from 900 to 450. At the same time, the ETFs are eating up coin and there's tons of people dollar cost averaging there's you know regardless of the price those things happen so even if the price goes up that they're still consuming that bitcoin that demand doesn't go away we still have jay powell talking about rate decreases you know the the, the debt's going up so they got to drop interest rates to reduce that interest expense even though the stock market is at an all-time high so decreasing interest rates at an all-time high stock market seems insane, but they're they're trapped, right? They're against the wall. And so as we continue down this road, inflation's eating people up. I mean, I had somebody approach me in the grocery store yesterday asking if I would buy their groceries. People are struggling, man. And so, you know, if I'm buying other people's groceries, other people are too. And that's just, it's kind of what happens when you screw with the money. And this is in America. So you got to imagine other countries deal with this kind of stuff and have been dealing with it forever. And they're sick of it. And that's why they're more motivated to get into Bitcoin quicker. The United States, a little slower because things aren't as bad. So this is the first cycle. I'm like, my bags are packed. You know, I'm ready to go. I'm not looking to buy on the way up. And honestly, you know, I transfer in some Bitcoin, transfer in some funds into Bitcoin in my retirement. Like I mentioned a few podcasts ago, you know, I'm I'm looking to probably cash out of a little touch of my Bitcoin stack in order to do some cool things and improve quality of life this time, like cool vacations and just kind of not stress out about uh, my personal finances. You know, it's always easier if there's a little more cash, and I've got I've got Bitcoin that's going to go on to the kids and things like that. That's not getting touched. So. It's really just kind of the the Bitcoin that I stacked in addition to the the number that I wanted, and so I'm you know Bitcoiners hate to hear that you you should get as much and get hold on forever. It's like you know yeah I'm sleeping on the floor and I, I sold all my chairs and bought Bitcoin. Like I don't want to do that. I I'm like I'm not going to live forever, and so you know if I wait until I'm so old and feeble that I can't do fun cool stuff, what what was the point? So. I'm not going to, I'm not sweating that. Normalizing, turning Bitcoin into quality of life is, I mean, what else, what, what else are you in it for? You know, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking to convert Bitcoin into dollars. I'm not convert, looking to convert Bitcoin into real estate or gold. I'm looking to convert it into experiences. And so, you know, argue, argue with me about that if you'd like. And so, you know, I, I like to bring like a, Here's what happened to me in the world of crypto every week. And so one day I was kind of sitting there and looking through some spreadsheets and there was like a a gate.io account. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is. And so I finally get logged in 
they stopped doing or they're, they're restricted in the United States now. And so I had to go through all these different hoops to jump through just to log in. And apparently I created a gate IO account in order to buy a cash, a K a S H coins, which still had some value. So I was like, okay, well let's get out of this. I've, I, I don't remember doing it. I have no idea what it is. And I had some tether in there. And so it was so clumsy. The process of dealing with this crypto was so awful. It was like going back in time because these days it's so easy. Buying on the ETF on my phone with a click or two in the Schwab account, buying through Coinbase or Strike, a couple of clicks, no big deal. Dealing with these cryptos that are like way down the chain it was brutal and took forever. And so I was like, look, I got to get out of this stuff. And so finally I, I was able to ship it over to a wallet in Coinbase, get out of it and, and get into some Solana because it's like the, the mana that falls from heaven when you're dealing with crypto, you know, it's like, Oh, my gambling paid off. I need to gamble more. And so, you know, if, if Solana is going to challenge Ethereum, then I think it has quite a bit of upside. So I'm not a hundred percent Bitcoin. I'm 96% Bitcoin. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to be 100% Bitcoin at the end of this run because paying attention to all these things is pretty awful. Paying attention, paying attention to Bitcoin is fun. I like to hear all the different innovations. I like to, especially these things on mining, that like, like the nuclear reactor in Susquehanna is now up and running Bitcoin miners. I think that is a game changer. It may take a decade before nuclear really starts to incorporate Bitcoin mining uh, to to manage load. But from a green carbon, you know, standpoint, it, it makes nuclear, it changes the game for nuclear. It makes it able to ramp up and down as fast as, as a gas plant. And when they ramp down, they are mining more Bitcoin. And so to me, this is a crazy step towards being able to just go nuclear in a in a big way and not just on a baseload way. So these things are are cool. I don't hear anything approaching this from any of the other cryptos. That other altcoins and things seem to be attacking altcoin problems and Bitcoin seems to be attacking real world problems. And so give me more of that. Right. I can I can understand power. I can understand electricity. You know, I understand that there's a lot of gamers out there that that there's an opportunity for people to jump in and, and play those games and, and get crypto into into the real world in a way. It's still digital. But that's the proof of work bridge that gets you from computers into the real world. And the value there is wildly different than proof of stake. We have tokens, the tokens are worth money, and you can just transfer back and forth. And so give me that more often. I think it's more interesting. There's plenty to learn about. I mean, literally, I, I, I have these epiphanies like, how did I not figure this out earlier, right? I mean, the, the scarcity side of it, where it's like, yes, it's scarce, but we haven't even seen what that means yet. And the apex predator meme, 
yeah, apex predator, but we haven't really seen what that completely means yet. And so for me, it's, it's, you're right. And you're early. It feels like you're not as right as you, as you should be. So just give it, give it some time. Keep, keep churning through this content, keep understanding stuff and have that conviction that, that this is a, a bridge and a, a, a utility that provides a, a lot of benefits in the real world and also gives you an alternative investment. I mean, I, I've spent the last week working on a house renovation, like just to, so I can sell that house for a profit in U.S. dollars. I, based on the inflation of when I bought that house, the appreciation and the amount of money I've had to spend on the house to renovate it to sell, I'm going to pay capital gains on gains that are break even from a from a purchasing power standpoint. So if I make 30% on this investment, I'm able to buy the same amount of stuff that I was able to buy four years ago when I bought the house. So this is, you know, pretty frustrating that I'm having to put time and energy resources into it. And compare that to Bitcoin where, you know, you trade your your labor and your knowledge for US dollars. You know, you trade your time for money. And then you turn those dollars into something as fast as you can because you got to get out of those dollars. After you buy your groceries and pay your rent, it's got to go somewhere just so you can maintain purchasing power. And I've, the days of, of real estate for me are are limited. I mean, it's if there's a deal, okay, maybe. But, you know, the problem I have with Bitcoin is I hate selling it. You know, I, I'm having to say it out loud a bunch so that it'll come true that I'm going to I'm going to convert some of these some of these Bitcoin into experiences and because if I don't say it out loud, I'm not going to sell it. I mean, you know, it's, it, I know how this works. I've, I've been on these runs twice now and it's, it's tough. It's tough to let go of something that's, that's super valuable that you got on a deal on. You know, I mean, every time I'm a type of person that if I get a deal on something like part of the value of owning it is the deal I got on it. And when you sell it, that deal's gone. And so it's very difficult to to let go of Bitcoin, especially as you listen to Bitcoiners talk and they're like, oh, get, get your hands on as many sats as you can. I'm like, well, that's great. But at a certain point, you know, you're you need to enjoy yourself a little bit, too, which is strange come from me. Like I'm a I'm a delayed gratification engineer type. So but it's time, you know, it's time to time to enjoy yourself. And, you know, once you can kind of come out of, come out of a, a, you know, some of this Bitcoin is long-term, hold it forever. Some of it is, is a trade. And so you come out of a trade, you do all right. That's, you know, there's benefit there. So, so that's what I've got. If you came here looking for ZK roll-ups and a bunch of altcoins that I've never heard of, you know, today's not the day. All I really talked about was selling a cash and getting into like Solana, which I, um, I have a better understanding of. And everything else is Bitcoin, 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 you know, get your hands on it. The more you get into it, the more you learn about it, the more you learn about it, the more you understand it. And, you know, you're way ahead, way ahead of people, even, you know, as this, as the ETFs continue to build assets under management, you know, more and more people are understanding it, more and more people are getting into it still early, you know, we're still, you know, approaching trillion dollar market cap kind of range a 10th of gold, a 12th of gold. So still a lot of room, still a lot, you know, it's still super early for what Bitcoin can be or will be.
So you got, you got time, but you know, you, you start putting it off. You're good. If you put it off now, you're going to start paying attention when the price runs just like everybody else. So I think if you're ahead of everybody else, there's huge benefits there. Anyway, I appreciate, appreciate you listening to the, to the 106th episode of Unblocking Crypto. I hope you have a great week. See you next time. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.